everybody. He's Paul. I'm Jonathan. She's Annie. No, wait, that ain't it. He's Sonny Corleone. I'm Brian Piccolo. She's Connie. No, that ain't it either. This is not a James Conn Film Festival tribute. This is Vikings Report. Drew and Ted. Drewster, how are you? Welcome, welcome, everybody, to episode 69 of Vikings Report with Drew and Ted. It is Saturday. Where are we at? April 16th. And we are 57 days away from kickoff against that team from Wisconsin, Ted. Did you just say April 16th? What did he say? What, you forget to file your taxes? What's going on? I said, I, I said, we are here. Nerd. I'll have Elvin. Oh, and we're officially 57 days away from kicking off against the stinky cheeseheads. Yeah, episode 69, a hashtag nice episode, if you follow what that means on Twitter. I promise, Toots, is we're not going to act like silly, immature kids. We today. are going to look, the number <laughs> just leads into total and complete immaturity. So, 69, dudes! Not with us, though. We don't do immature no. things on this show. We are serious professionals. I mean, I know perfectly well what's wrong with me. Yeah, I, uh, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> Ruby, how are you tonight? I'm okay. No dad jokes today. Sorry, I'm grumpy and tired. Well, at least you feel and sound like a dad. Grumpy and tired. Oh, thanks. Wow, that was weird. <laughs> We're featuring James Conn tonight, Ted. You want to give yeah. us a little James Conn update? He passed away 82 years young. He led a full life. You know, 82 is a good run. But you still hate to see when, I would argue, iconic actors like James Caan pass away. I mean, you look at his filmography, you know, we, we just highlighted just a few of the films he was in over the years. We didn't probably hit your favorite one other than The Godfather. But, I mean, the guy has such a biography of just superb, phenomenal work over the years that when we heard he died, we said, hey, we got to do The Godfather. Because when you think James Caan, you think The Godfather. <laughs> Hey, what are you going to do? Nice college boy, huh? Didn't want to get mixed up in the family business? Now you want to gun down a police captain? Why? Because he slapped you in the face a little bit? Huh? But then we started talking, and it's like, man, but what about Rollerball? What about Elf? What about Lion's Song? What about Misery? And you're like, wow, this guy had a a heck of a career. So we kind of decided to do the whole James Conn tribute. For episode 69, it worked out pretty good. How many movies do you think James Conn was in, Ted? I'm going to take a wild guess and say, hashtag 69. (laughs) How does it work out like that? How does it work out like, hey, what's up with your background, man? I'm in my living room tonight. Well, I'm sitting at my kitchen table with my living room in the background. So, like, my wife is out of town, and because she's, like, the patron saint of where I live, I always go down to the basement to record the show. I'm out of her hair and she can, you know, do what she needs to do up here without me being in the way. She had to go out to the East Coast for business. And honestly, I was just too lazy to go downstairs. All my stuff was up here. I did my notes up here yesterday. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going downstairs. I'm just going to sit up here. This is how lazy I am. I don't want to walk 14 steps down my stairs and probably another 20 around the corner to sit and do the show. That's how lazy I am. The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. That's what we looked for when we started this show. The crux of this show, the foundation was laziness, Ted. So you're falling right in line with it. That's perfect. That is so perfect. Lazy. Adjective. Unwilling to do work or make an effort. Disinclined to exertion. 
Well, I'll tell you what, something that isn't lazy are the amount of contests and, and prize giveaways we do here. And we've got another contest coming up. It's underway right now. And we call it the Rook Dog Challenge. Drew, sir, what is the Rook Dog Challenge? The Rook Dog Challenge is another great contest we're running here at Vikings Report, Ted. And what it is, it's very simple. It's free to enter because a Vikings Report, if it, ain't, if it ain't free, costs too much. All you have to do below in the comments is put the offensive NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year and the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. They will be announced at the end of the year. So the prize will actually be given away then. The prize of $100. If you can name both of those players, how long do they have to enter, Ted? So you have until the last Saturday episode before the first regular season Thursday night game. We will let you know uh, on the airing of that episode, this is your last chance to enter the Rook Dog Challenge. Like Drew said, not the Vikings, who you think the Vikings rookie, offensive and defensive rookies of the year are going to be, but the NFL, which stands for not for long if you keep making mistakes like that, son. But the Viking players are eligible. If you think it's going to be like Lewis Seen or Andrew Booth Jr. Or, or whatever, by all means, put them in there. But it's for the for the entire NFL. The only issue is you can only enter one time. So if you put in a guy's name between now and the beginning of the season and that individual gets hurt during training camp and, and misses a good chunk or all the season, which we hope doesn't happen, you're out of luck. You're, you're not going to be able to change your entry. So one-time entry, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, in the YouTube comments below closes out the last show before the Thursday regular season opener. Good way for us to give back to you, the viewer, for being uh, supportive of our show. And we like contests. Me and Ted love Me to win the contests. They're fun, man. I mean, who doesn't like to win stuff? I can see my money is still in your pocket, which is from the yield of my labor. You know, it's not the Powerball, but it's cool stuff. It's Viking stuff. We got 100 bucks. It's like winning a scratch-off ticket in the lottery. <laughs> That's kind of cool. You'll get like two gallons of gas with a hundred bucks. hundred bucks goes a long way in these days, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, as the season progresses and we get closer to the regular season, we're going to announce our fantasy football contest. We got a fantasy football kicker contest coming up, which we'll tell you about. And we've got other stuff throughout the year as well. Just stay tuned. Keep yeah. watching, subscribe, hit the like button, all that good stuff, and we'll we'll get you hooked up with with restaurant quality prices. <laughs> all right, we got right. a big show ahead of you tonight. We got a big uh, show ahead of you tonight. We got some Vikings news. We're we going to talk Vikings about news. We're going to talk about really. We are so dumb. We are so dumb. We got a great show tonight. We got some Vikings news we're going to talk about. We're going to pick our breakout players on offense and defense for the Minnesota Vikings. We got our draft pick preview depth chart analysis this week. We're covering guard Ed Ingram, second round pick, number 59 overall out of the Louisiana State University. And of course, this show would not be complete without Toons' trivia. So, Drew, what time is it, buddy? It's time for Ted. I'm cooler than you are. So why don't you fix your little problem and light this candle? He's right. Light this candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. All right, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. <laughs> I love this. This is the best opening in the business. I don't care what anybody says. We are off and running with episode 69. 
69, dudes. Okay. We actually do have some Vikings news this week. It doesn't really involve the current Minnesota Vikings roster, but it involves a guy that Drew and I grew up watching, and it's a guy we love, and his name is Jim Marshall, former defensive end, the foundational cornerstone of the Purple People Eaters back in the Minnesota Vikings heyday. He made the semifinalists round of the senior committee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We have advocated, I, I mean, so many Vikings fans have advocated over the year about Jim Marshall getting into the hall. Sadly, he is not. It looks like he might have a real chance this year. And for guys like me and Drew that grew up watching him, this is something that is long overdue, and it's something that I hope gets across the finish line, and he gets his name called and gets a gold jacket, Drew. So it's between him and how many other guys? So there are 25 semifinalists. By July 27th, it's going to be narrowed down to 12. And at some point after July 27th, those 12 will be whittled down to three. So of the 25 people right now, up to three will make that Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's got to get in. He's got to get in. He's got some pretty stiff competition, but I don't know that you can find three guys better than him. I'm going to run off these names real quick. Okay. Ken Anderson, that's probably a name you know, quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Good, Really good player for a long time. Guy by the name of Maxie Bond, linebacker for Philadelphia, the L.A. Rams, and the Washington Redskins. Wide receiver Mark Clayton with the Marks Brothers and Dan Marino. Good player. Roger Craig, who probably most well-known for being with the San Francisco 49ers, but his last couple of years he played with the Vikings. He deserves to get in, I think. Yeah, Laverne Dilwig, who was, let's see, first-team All-Pro with the Green Bay Packers, also played for the Milwaukee Badgers in 1926, and the Packers from 27 to 34. Laverne Dilwig? Laverne Dilwig. Randy Gratishar, great Denver Broncos linebacker. You know where he went to school? He went to Ohio State. That guy was a dominating linebacker. I loved watching him play. Lester Hayes, a guy who played great cornerback for the Raiders, played with an entire jar of stickum. Yeah. From helmet to ankles. He was a tough player. He was a ball. He was. Player. He was good. Chris Hinton, a guard tackle, played probably most known with the Baltimore Indianapolis Colts. Chuck Howley, linebacker for the Cowboys. Do you remember the name Chuck Howley? He was the MVP of a Super Bowl. And it was a Super Bowl. They lost. But a bing, but a bing, but a bing. Yes, very good. Only Super Bowl MVP from a losing team. You know what's funny about that? The kicker for the Colts, before they hit the winning field goal, before that game, he kicked 41 practice kicks, and he missed every one of them. Way off, right? Shanking it. Are you serious? The Cowboys are on the sideline going, if it comes down to a field goal, we're good. We're good like gold. <laughs> You know, Brian just split the uprights with it after missing all of his practice games. I never knew that. Cecil Isbell, who was a defensive back from 38 to 42. Joe Jacoby, who was a just brute on the Washington Redskins Hogs offensive he line. He was a hog. He was a big hog. Yeah. Billy White Shoes Johnson, who was one of my favorite players with the TD celebration with the, with the leg dance. The greatest celebratory dance in the history of the NFL. Without a doubt. This is memory lane for the Drewster. These are all my childhood guys that used to watch, man. Here's here's a guy from your alma mater, Mike Ken, played for Atlanta. Joe Klecko, New York Sack Exchange with him and Mark Gastineau. Damn, these are a lot of good names. This is stiff competition right here. Here's a guy I thought was in, Bob Kuchin from the Dolphins. He's not in the Hall of Fame. No. George Coons, tackle in the 70s. Linebacker Clay Matthews, who was just great with the Browns USC product. Tremendous player. I think he played in like 1,700 straight games. Eddie Medor, cornerback from 1959 to 70. Wide receiver Stanley Morgan, probably best known for the Patriots. Patriots, yeah. Linebacker Tommy Nobis of the Falcons. 
should be in already. Yeah, him and Marshall are the two snubs I wanted to mention later. Tommy Novus should already be in with Marshall. And here's a guy who I can't believe isn't in either. Ken Riley, who has 65 career interceptions, the most of any player not in the Hall of Fame, and he has more than a bunch of dudes that are already in. Kenny Riley's not in the Hall of Fame. Ken Riley's not in the Hall of Fame. Are they on meth? Idiot. Idiots. God, what are we going to do? Idiot. What are they doing? And then wide receiver Sterling Sharp, who just killed... Killed the Vikings when he played with the Packers under Brett Favre. He had that neck injury, shortened his career. Otis Taylor, for those of you that go way back and watch the Vikings, you remember what he did to the Vikings in Super Bowl Four. What a player that guy was. He was. And then Everson Walls, who was a cornerback for the God. Dallas Cowboys. And out of those 25, before that, they're going to narrow it down to 12. And then from those 12, oh. they're going to narrow it down to three. Tell me why Jim Marshall deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. First off, what's going to get him in if he gets him in is the longevity and the games played. In the Hall of Fame, there's 38 defensive linemen. Okay. By my count, there's 21 defensive ends. I took the 21. I wrote down all their seasons. I wrote down their sack totals. And I wrote down their games played as a comparison to Marshall. Seasons played, Marshall's number one. 20 seasons. Nobody touches it. Closest was Bruce Smith, who is the greatest defensive end ever to play in the league. We'll have that discussion. Games played, 282. Jim Marshall is first in that also. When you talk about trenches, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, there's only one guy that's played more games. Bruce Matthews, he played 296 games. He's the only lineman that's played more games than Marshall. Marshall's number two. Marshall's also the second highest games played defensive player in all, in all the positions. Daryl Green's played 295 games. So when you look at the games played and the seasons played, that's what puts him in. And of course, the sack total of 130.5, which out of the 21 guys that are in the Hall of Fame right now, Jim Marshall's 130 and a half sacks. That ranks him in number 11 out of the 21. And now that number, and, and we'll put this tweet up, Pro Football Reference put up a stat a couple of years ago. They went back and went through old NFL films footage and credited sacks to players before the sack was an official statistic, which came along long after a, a guy like Jim Marshall had retired. And when they updated his numbers, he had 130 and a half career sacks, like you just said, which was, I think it was 20th overall all time. Right. Behind Eller. He had a couple behind Carl Eller. Who was in the Hall of Fame who was in the Hall of Fame, you know, along with Alan Page. And remember, Marshall played in an era where there wasn't the advancements in medicine and physical therapy and things that you have now available to players. I mean, Jim Marshall shot himself clean in a shotgun yeah. and didn't miss a freaking game. And I said, boy, you you really f***ed up. <laughs> you have really f***ed up. You are going to die. Jim Marshall about died jumping out of an airplane doing a parachute jump. Watched all my limbs break as I as I, as I hit the ground. I watched my my legs snap and 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 my my foot come up into my groin, held on by the calf muscle back here. Didn't miss a game. Crazy. I mean, like, look, if Anthony Barr shot himself clean in a <laughs> shotgun, he'd have been out for two seasons. What's your song, Coach? I mean, he's just one of We love you, Anthony. <laughs> we, we do, but I mean, it, it just goes to the mentality that Jim Marshall had. And we've mentioned this before, just how many of those guys answered the bell every week and didn't miss a game. And Marshall was the guy that was the absolute top of the peak 
king of the mountain in that regard. He did not miss a game from the Minnesota Vikings' very first game in 1961 until he retired in 1979. That's why he's got to be in there, Ted. Talking defensive line, not kicker. You're not talking a punter. Getting hit every single play, you know, it's remarkable when you look back on it. You know, a guy I follow on Twitter, Luke Braun, at Luke Braun NFL, he had a tweet about Jim Marshall that I think absolutely personifies the whole argument for Marshall going to the Hall of Fame. In the storied history of the NFL, you cannot tell the NFL story without the Minnesota Vikings being mentioned. Super Bowl futility and all, some of the greatest players to ever play the game have worn the purple and gold. You can't talk about the history of the NFL without talking about the Minnesota Vikings. And you absolutely cannot talk about the history of the Minnesota Vikings without talking about the heart and soul of that team for two decades, defensive end Jim Marshall. Amen. You are absolutely right. And I do not know why he is not in there already. Can I read off the 21 that are in there right now? Sure. These are the 21 defensive ends that are in the Hall of Fame right now. Doug Atkins, Elvin Bethea, tremendous player, the great Willie Davis, Fred Dean, our buddy Fred Dean, Richard Dent, Chris Dolman, Carl Eller, Len Ford, Kevin Green, Charles Haley, Claude Humphrey, the great Deacon Jones, Howie Long, Gino Marchetti, Andy Robustelli, Leroy Selman, Bruce Smith, Michael Strahan, Jason Taylor, Reggie White, Jack Youngblood are all defensive ends that are currently in the Hall of Fame. Now, Len Ford. Len Ford played back in the 50s. He went to Michigan, Len Ford. Okay. Great player, Ted. Played 11 seasons, 125 games. That guy was not better than Jim Marshall. And I, you know what? Let, let, me, let me back up here for a second. Okay. This isn't about Jim Marshall being better than everybody on this list. It's not. It's about Jim Marshall. Is he as deserving as all the guys on this list? Yeah. Because I, uh, I don't want to downplay these guys. No, I get it. It's not that the guys that are in aren't deserving. They, they are. But if you look at the guys that are in and then you look at Jim Marshall's resume, it stands up as well as or better than I would argue half those dudes that you just rattled off. So if those guys can be in, why can't Jim Marshall? Like you said, this isn't a dig against the guys that are in, but if you're making a case that a guy like Jason Taylor is deserving to be in the Hall of Fame, and he, and he is, then you, you can't look at Jim Marshall's career and say he isn't. Marshall has a resume as strong as just about any one of those other guys that are on that are already in the Hall of Fame. And, and let's face it, when you're talking defensive end, getting into the Hall of Fame, it's about one statistic, sacks, sacking the quarterback. That's, yeah. what, everybody, that's what everybody looks at. That's what everybody points to. And here's another guy who's deserving to be in, but he's not better than Jim Marshall. Howie Long had 91 and a half sacks. Howie Long, great football player. He wasn't any better than Jim Marshall. I agree. So let's talk about then why hasn't he gotten into the Hall of Fame? You got a couple theories. I got a couple theories. What, what do you think has kept him out of the Hall of Fame? Well, first, let's do the wrong way run. We talked about that last night. and You seem to think that has something to do with it, which it very well might be. But if that has something to do with it, that is ridiculous if you're going to base Jim Marshall's Hall of Fame status on that one play. No, you're right. I mean, a lot of times when Jim Marshall's name is brought up, oh, wrong way run. He recovered a fumble, and it's an infamous play in NFL history. Oh, absolutely. Runs 70 yards or whatever it is the wrong way, causes a safety. But like you said, nobody seems to mention later on in the game, Marshall sacked, I believe it was Billy Kilmer of the San Francisco 49ers, caused a fumble, which Carl Eller scooped up 
ran in for a touchdown, and oh, hey, the Vikings won the game. Nobody wants to tell the whole story of that. They just want to say, wrong way, run. I'm going to say, I guess that could be a possibility. I would be embarrassed for the Hall of Fame if they were basing his getting in on that one play. But I, I think I know exactly why he's not in there, Ted. And you talk resume. Mm-hmm. In 20 years, Jim Marshall only got double-digit sacks four times. Okay. They do look at sacks, along with your longevity and how many seasons you played and how good of a defender and everything you were. But I think John Randall, Carl Eller, those guys had eight or nine seasons with double-digit sacks. Okay. So they put that on their resume. That built up their resume. He only had double-digit sacks four times, and in 12 of his 20 seasons, he had seven sacks or less. So each season, his name wasn't jumping off the page like Lawrence Taylor or Bruce Smith. It wasn't getting in everybody's mind. You know, you get seven sacks in a season, nobody's going to say anything. Right. He had a lot of those kind of seasons. If you look at the game back then, it wasn't very pass-happy. Yes. Teams were all run first. It was. Less passing is less sack chances. So there's that. And I would also argue the Purple People Eaters defensive line mentality was almost, I don't want to say revolutionary, but it was not common. Because Bud Grant told the defensive line to get to the quarterback back in an era where teams ran the ball. So their job was to pressure the pocket, collapse the pocket, and let that trio of great linebackers the Vikings had for many, many years stop the run before right. it really got going. Now, now the defensive line made their share of tackles, but that was not their number one priority. It was to get to the quarterback. And when you had guys like Alan Page and Carl Eller right. and Gary Larson, I mean, Marshall got his. But you've got two other Hall of Fame dudes playing with you, too. You have to take that into consideration as well. Sure. Bud Grant was fortunate enough to have really smart football guys on the field, like Jeff Seaman and Alan Page and Jim Marshall. Those were coaches on the field. Grant didn't have to worry about people being out of position. Jim Marshall took care of all that. So there's got to be something said for that. The other thing I will mention, Alan Page was stacking Defensive Player of the Year, League MVP, He's stacking all these Pro Bowls up. There's something to be said for adding those things to your resume, Ted. And if you look at Jim Marshall, he was never named All-Pro, and he only went to two Pro Bowls. That's what's keeping him out of the Hall of Fame, is he doesn't have enough bling on his resume. He doesn't. I would argue you can counter that with the longevity and the totals he put up. He's basically football's version of Cal Ripken. You remember, he played in an era where... Carl Eller and Deacon Jones, you know, you had some great all-time defensive lines. The fearsome foursome, the steel curtain in the latter days of of Marshall's career. So he was going up against really Hall of Fame level competition every single year as well. Those are very good reasons. I'm going to give one more. Real quick, those are legitimate reasons, but they're not reasons to keep him out. No. Before you get to your point, I think it's the red tape of the NFL. I do. If he was a Raider or a Dolphin or Steeler, he'd be in there already. That goes to my point. One of those Vikings teams had won a Super Bowl or two Super Bowls. Guys like Jim Marshall, Bobby Bryant, and Ed White would have been in years ago. Years ago. Like, look at Lynn Swan. You look at Lynn Swan's numbers and you look at, let's even say Terry Bradshaw. You look at Terry Bradshaw's career numbers or Joe Namath's career numbers. You look at those career numbers and you stack them up against their contemporaries at the positions they played, and they're not great. Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame because of one game. And that's the red tape I'm talking about, and that's It is. It absolutely is. You can cut that out, chances, but it angers me. Who the hell are you? Don't make a scene. This is right. Right. It just infuriates me. I mean, when Fran Tarkenton retired, he he held every single 
statistical passing record in NFL history. Nobody touched him in, in attempts, completions, yards, touchdowns, completion percentage, none of that. He did not get in on the first ballot. And I think it was because he was penalized for not winning a Super Bowl. Now, I, I think that mentality has slowly changed and evolved over the years because people realize, look, it's, it's hard to get to a Super Bowl. And the Buffalo Bills, God bless them for getting to four straight and losing, made people realize, look, it, it's, it's hard to win in the NFL. But those guys, those Super Bowl teams are in, Ted. And they got their just rewards, and they, and they should have. But, but I think that helped relook guys like Ron Yeri. Mick Tinglehoff. I just think most of the players from that era are punished for not winning a Super Bowl. And I think you're right. I mean, you think of Paul Krause. He was like 20 years too late getting in. You know, I, I was fortunate enough. I'm going to do a quick humble brag here. I was fortunate enough to interview Paul Krause when I wrote for the Daily Norseman. I think it was the very first post I ever did for the Daily Norseman on the front page. He said, you know, longevity matters. You have to be a really good player, but you have to be a really good player for a really long time to be a Hall of Fame guy. I think Jim Marshall... Fits that to a T. Here's another one. Fred Dean, our buddy Fred, great player, great, great player and deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. 12 seasons, eight less than Jim, 141 games, 100 and something less than Jim, and 92 sacks. Jim at 130. He's bench pressing and, and uh, got a cigarette in his mouth. Smoke a cigarette. <laughs> and Ronnie Lott walks up and he goes, hey, man, how long are you going to be on the bench? And Fred stops. He's on like his 800th rep on this 200-pound thing. And he stops and he goes, son, you got about five seconds to get away from here. We're gonna, I'm going to get off this bench and we're going to have words. Right? <laughs> Ronnie Lutz, beeline for the front door. So July 27th, the list gets cut down to 12. I think this is his best chance. I think you can make a very strong case for him. We'll see how it goes. Bob St. Clair. Remember he played for the Niners? Yeah, I do. I knew Bob. Did you really? I did a tile job at his house in Santa Rosa. When I was living in Santa Rosa. My boss says, you got to go put this fireplace in this guy's house. I think he played football, so it should work out good for you. And I said, oh, really? So I went out there and I knock at the door and this guy opens the door. He's like nine foot four. Yeah, he's a huge dude. Bob St. Clair was a humongous dude. I didn't know who he was. I was like 23 at the time. I got there and his big, deep voice, like lurch. He had a really deep voice. The size of him, he was just an intimidating individual. And I was like at the door going, I'm here to put the marble into your fireplace. So we got in there, we got to talk, and I look, he's got this, all this Niners stuff on the wall. And uh, I found out Bob St. Clair, that was a two-day, three-day job. I was out there two weeks talking football every day because sometimes I didn't do any work. i just get out there, talk football. We'd have, like, sandwiches, talk some more football. Then i no go kidding. home. And That's I go cool. back to the shop. My boss is going, what the hell are you doing out there? <laughs> anyway, I asked him, Bob? Who was the toughest guy you ever had to block? Without hesitation, Bob St. Clair said, Gino Marchetti. Wow. And he said, I remember playing him at Keysar Stadium one day. And after the game, I walked across the field to find Gino. I reached out my hand. We shook hands. And he goes, Gino, I'm Bob St. Clair. I've been playing against you all day. Bob said, Gino, that handshake makes it official. That was the second time I touched you today. <laughs> So now we're going to move to the 2022 version of the Minnesota Vikings. The training camp's just a couple weeks away, man. We're, we're getting close. 
We are getting close. Like a week away, aren't we? Yeah, we're we're close, man. What we're going to do, this segment, we're going to call Breakout Players. And Drew and I have looked over the roster, and we're going to give you one player on offense and one player on defense that we think is going to be a breakout player. Now, for full disclosure, going into last year, both Drew Bunting and myself thought K.J. Osborne was a turd and had no place on the Minnesota Vikings roster. You go back to old offseason shows before the beginning of last year, and we thought, get out. Pack your stuff, turn in your playbook to the Turk, because you're terrible. Dude, we ripped him, didn't we? We were wrong. I was rooting. I was rooting. It's for the best. Hey, please. Almost done. Take our predictions with a grain of salt. However, we're going to try and give you who we think our breakout players for the Vikings are going to be for 2022 on both offense and defense. Drewster, why don't you, why don't you kick this off? Who you got? On offense, I got Irv Smith Jr., the tight end. Okay. A lot is riding with Irv Smith this year to get this done. Yeah. To get this done. And, he, you know, coming off the injury, I think he could be a real difference maker in the Kevin O'Connell, Kirk Cousins type of scheme they got running there with Wes Phillips. I think Irv Smith can be the guy, but he's got to show up this year and he's got to get it done. Yep. That's my offensive. And uh, my defensive, I'm going to go with Lewis Seen. Okay. I can't wait. We're going to do a spotlight on him in about three weeks. I'm looking forward to doing that spotlight and hearing your questions and getting your feedback. But I think he's my breakout guy. I think he's going to get in there and start playing right away, and he's going to be fantastic. Okay. For me, I went back and forth on two players. I'm going to settle on Kene Wangu, running back, second-year running back. I just think with what Kevin O'Connell wants to do with the Minnesota Vikings offense, make it more spread out, more diverse, more wide open, you look at a guy like Wangu, and, and you just have got to be salivating at his speed and what he can do in the open field. And I I think the Vikings are going to work to get him on the field more this year, maybe at the expense of Alexander Madison. I don't know. Madison's a reliable player, but when you look at Alexander Madison, do you think that's a guy that can score every time he touches the ball? No. No. He's kind of like the modern-day Leroy Horde. If you need four, he'll get you four. If you need seven, he'll get you four. Needed him to get one in Seattle, too. He couldn't get one. Yeah, and Alexander Madison's a fine player. He fulfills... His job with the Vikings, well. But when you look at a guy like Wang Wu, I I just think O'Connell, with what he wants to dial up on offense, looks at a guy like him and says, you know what, I I can use you. We're going to see what you're made of. And I I think he's going to give him a chance to to make an impact this year. On defense, I'm going to go with Cameron Dantzler. People have kind of been talking up Dantzler in the offseason. And if the Vikings are going to be successful, in 2022, they have got to get better on defense and particularly in, in pass coverage. And, and Dantzler's had his really promising moments. He just hasn't put it all together. And then, like, you know, the Vikings signed Bashad Breland, who was absolutely terrible. Oh. But Mike Zimmer was smarter than everybody else in the room and kept playing Bashad Breland and not Dantzler. And then Dantzler went in, he looked good, and we're like, wow, hey, Dantzler looks pretty good. Why don't we play him? And Mike Zimmer said, no, no, no. We must go back to Bashad Breeland because he's terrible and he makes me look like a genius or whatever the hell his reason was. You know, you know what, Ted Theodore Glover? He did that with a lot of players. I think Dantzler's my guy on defense who has a, a real opportunity to, to break out and make a name for himself. That's two really good choices that are intriguing to me, Ted. All right. So well, that is... Hey, oh, well, get, get him. What, tenses. Let's get him break out. What? I'm interested to know if, if Tootsis, if you're awake, I don't even know if she's awake anymore. Would you be? Tootsis, do you have a breakout player? Offense. Uh, how about JC Treader? <laughs> Isn't he on the team? 
No. <laughs> that deserves a standing ovation, ladies and gentlemen. Well done. <laughs> Vikings report with Tunes. That's what this show should be. You got a defensive player, Ruby? <laughs> or are you just going Treader playing both ways on offense and defense? <laughs> that works perfect, actually, yes. <laughs> We're so dumb. You're so dumb. All right. So that'll do it for our, our breakout player segment. Now we're rolling into the thing we've been doing for every draft pick, starting with tight end Nick Muse. I think back in ex- episode 62, we are now up to the second round. We've got guard Ed Ingram, second round, 59th pick overall out of LSU. Drew, tell me about big Ed Ingram. So I was actually about to get a plate of food because I was hungry. And so I was just about to sit back down on the couch. And then all of a sudden, my brother's like, hey, Edward, get up. I'm like, what are you talking about? He, t- he gets up. He got a phone in his hand. He says, come here. And so I just hop on the phone. And so my whole family, everybody's looking. And then they just start following me to the room. And it, it was just an amazing feeling. Now, to me, I was just sitting on the couch. My marriage was getting to me. I didn't know what to expect, and uh, I was just happy as soon as I saw that he had got a call. I was like, man, that's crazy. <laughs> I was like, this is a team like that I was thinking, like I wanted to be on. I mean, it's still it's LSU colors. Like, how can you not like it? I'm like, I was, I was ready for it, and I was excited as soon as I saw it. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm an adaptable kid. You know, I'm still learning, but uh, I'm a, a baller in the run game. Anytime, if it's fourth and inches and we needed to win the game, I'm the guy. Run the ball behind me. I'm telling you, we're going to punch it in. And I, I, want, I always tell my coach that, like, this, we run a QB sneak, run the ball right behind me because we're gonna punch it in. So I want people to know that I'm doing. I'm willing to do whatever it, it takes to to win to help the team win. Big six three three seventeen, big size on Ed Ingram. We should probably jump right into the elephant in the room and talk about the arrest stuff and get all that out of the way before we talk about what kind of football player he is. Yeah, I know you have thoughts on that. I, I would do. like to get your thoughts on that. I have moved on from it all after my research happened in 2015 got suspended from LSU's football team in 2018 then it got dismissed in 2019 I believe so it's been three years since it's been dismissed but I'd like to have your take on it because I know character stuff means a lot to you and it should here's another kind of break in the pattern all the guys up to now have been these exceptional character guys with really sterling silver backgrounds Ted yeah we talk about it every week from muse all those guys how they were you know done community work and all this this is the first guy that's had the character issue what do you think the vikings need guards i i get it but i feel there was a better option out there if you're going to go guard that early was it investigated yes i believe he was charged but then it was dismissed he never went to trial it never went anything past a police investigation he got suspended and whole season. does the guy deserve a chance to play? Yes. I mean, I would even say that if he had been convicted and done time and served his debt to society and somebody wanted to sign him to play for them, I- I'm fine. Look, I'm not saying the guy shouldn't get a chance. I'm just saying I wish it wasn't the Vikings that gave him that chance. But they did. They said they investigated the whole background and they're confident in him as a person. And, and all that other stuff, it's just still, it still bothers me. It changes my view on him like the child abuse allegations on Adrian Peterson have forever tainted my views and opinions on Adrian Peterson. I'm in agreement with everything you just said, Ted Glover. What's done is done. I'm not going to dwell on it. I stated my opinion, I think, the second night or the draft or our draft recap show. It is what it is. 
It's not like he has 24 civil lawsuits. Now, there's a pattern of be- there's some behavior problems right there. You ain't lying, brother. And it's not like I'm going to start a petition to, to get him kicked off the team. I, it, it, it's over and done with. Okay, now we can move on to the football part. Four-star recruit from the great DeSoto High School in Texas, heavily recruited by all the big boy teams, Ted, Alabama, Oklahoma, chose LSU where he played there for a better part of five years besides the well the 2018 season he appeared in 45 games at LSU Ted over his career he started 34 of the 45 he actually started 22 games at left guard and 12 games at right guard so he played more at left guard than right guard could have declared for the 2021 draft but decided to stay probably because by then he only had 23 starts that's not a lot of starts going into the NFL that's not mm-hmm. Especially for a lineman, whether it's offense or defense, you need more trench time. That's what she said. When I, <laughs> when I watch him on tape, you know what it reminds me of? Who does it remind you of? Almost identical to your boy Jonah Jackson. Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. He looks like a clone of that guy. He's a very good player. I had him as a second rounder. If you want to put up your big board, you had him as a second or third rounder and, uh, what, fifth offensive guard overall? Yeah. You know, I was reading a bunch of stuff after the draft, and I, I hate draft grades. I hate giving draft grades out, but I read them just because I like to learn about players. Even mine? You hate mine? No, because you don't do draft grades after the draft. You talk about guys before the draft, which I find very interesting. A lot of places were saying the Vikings picked him too early. Really? Why do you think... He was picked at the appropriate time in the draft. Because there's things that guy does that are flawless. Like? But I said the same thing about Wyatt Davis. You know what? <laughs> well, first off, you know I like to hit you with a little trivia when we do these things. We do these write-ups. Yeah. He, he is now the fourth guy on the Vikings roster from LSU. Can you name the other three, Ted Glover? Justin Jefferson. <laughs> oh, uh, Daniel Hunter. Yeah, ding, 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 ding. Um... Didn't Patrick Peterson go to LSU, too? So I got them all? Yes, you did. Don't mess with thunder and lightning. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) This guy led all the guards. If you talk PFF grades, he led all SEC guards. SEC, Ted. Not Pac-12 or MEAC. Not the Mayo Bowl. SEC, every SEC guard did not, he had an 82.6, the highest rated guard in the whole SEC. Wow. In four, 484 pass blocking snaps, Ed Ingram allowed two sacks. Really? That's why he, he deserves to be a second rounder. Got invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl. And get this, I, got, I found this little tidbit out about the Reese's Senior Bowl. At the end of the week, the players vote on who the best player is. Not the coaches, the beat reporters. The players and the players voted Ed Ingram as the best offensive lineman at the Reese's Senior Bowl. Did they really? The hardest to go up against. You chalking these things up? So I'm giving you the reasons of why he's a second rounder. Okay. Versatile, can play guard. You can even swing him out to tackle if, if you're in a real emergency situation. Not his ideal spot, but he can play there. He can play either guard position. He is one of the best run blocking guards in this draft, Ted. He's a powerful bulldozing run blocker. I heard his strength was pass protection, which, as we know, the, the interior offensive line of the Minnesota Vikings pass protection has, let me see if I can find the scientific term, has sucked for the better part of 10 years. Got to talk about the one thing he has, like Bradbury doesn't, is his anchor. That guy does not get pushed back. 
I don't want him. I want an interior offensive lineman from the Vikings <laughs> that gets blown back 20 freaking yards. Because that's what I'm used to, and that's what I want, damn it. His anchor is stout. He doesn't get pushed back. You have to have a strong anchor if you're going to play on the O-line. And, and you watch Bradbury getting owned up the middle a lot. I mean, Bradbury's good in space. That's the thing. Do you know how many that's what she said statements you just had in that little... Was there a few? There's like four. Come on, <laughs> He's the future guard of this team. Okay. Future right guard if Ezra Cleveland can make it a left guard. But he plays both. He's one of the five, you can call him, that's going to be able to get coached up. Probably the biggest thing he's going to have to adjust to is he's not explosive right at the initial snap. He gets beat to the spot a little bit. Okay. I think he'll be able to work on that. But fundamentally, fundamentally, that's mechanically (laughs) and fundamentals. He's got everything you want in an interior lineman. He is the future guard for the Vikings. He is. With that in mind, then, let's let's go to the depth chart. Now, we're, we're just doing interior offensive linemen. We're not going to do tackles tonight. You know, historically, the Vikings have kept nine offensive linemen. I think that's pretty close to what they're going to do this year. If you think four tackles is the norm, which, which it is, you might have, like, four tackles. That means you're going to have five centers and guards, and there may be a guy that is a swing guard and tackle that can kind of play everywhere along the line. Let's look at the depth chart of the guys on the roster right now. Besides Ingram, you've got Ezra Cleveland, who's the left guard starter. You got Jesse Davis. You got Wyatt Davis. You got Kyle Hinton, Ole Udo, Chris Reed, Austin Schlotman, and then Garrett Bradbury. And they have Reed, Schlotman, and Bradbury listed as centers. And they've got, well, they've got Reed and Schlotman as a guard slash center, and right. Bradbury as a center. So you got five guys. Out of those, 127, whatever the, whatever the heck it is. Right. You got Ingram for sure, right? Ingram? Cleveland for sure. Yes. Chris Reed, you think, is going to be the starter at right guard to start out the season? I think Jesse Davis is going to get that spot. You think Jesse Davis? Okay. That, yeah, that's fair. I think, I think Davis or Reed. So now that, that leaves, do you think Reed at center or Bradbury at center? Bradbury. There's four. Okay. So you got one more spot left if you assume – Five interior offensive linemen. You got Wyatt Davis, Kyle Hinton, Ole Udo, Chris Reed, and Austin Schlotman. Okay, take Udo and and Schlotman out of there. They're not going to make it. So now you're down to Wyatt Davis, Kyle Hinton, and Chris Reed. God, I hate to push Wyatt Davis out the door. I'm going to have to say Chris Reed's my number five. Yeah, I think so too. Those would be the five I would concentrate on if we're going five. Do you think Ingram's going to start this year? But man, I'm not talking about uh, a guy gets hurt or anything like that. I'm expecting him to make a run at the starting position for week one. And if he's not the starter week one over Jesse Davis, I think Davis is going to get it just because of his experience on the Dolphins. He's played in the NFL. It's tough okay. to go out there as a rookie, but he's good enough to earn that spot week one. So I don't know if he's going to start week one, but he will be ready to play when needed. And I have a lot of confidence in him, Ted. I have a lot of confidence at Ingram. I really do. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens when training camp starts. All right. So that does it for our draft pick review depth chart analysis. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break and we'll be back with trivia.
know, Brando was, he was like a... Was he intimidating? Great, well, he was at first, because everybody was in awe, you know. Right. You know. But he's like a 12-year-old. I, mean, I, I was like the appointed clown, I guess. And, and uh, you know, I tell a joke like at noon. And everybody laughs except Marlon, you know. Um. <laughs> and then about two hours later, in the middle of a scene, he goes... <laughs> I said, what? He goes, I just got it. You know, he thought about it. <laughs> Very intense. I remember we, we had... Uh Where do you want to get the interrupting over with? I, I'm, I, you know what? I'm not going to interrupt you this week. I'm going to be conscious of it, and I'm going to be courteous. I am not going to interrupt. Welcome to Toots' Trivia. How are you guys doing? Good, good Toots. How are you doing? All right, this week my trivia program was not working, so we are gonna do this a little bit differently. As you can see, I have a PowerPoint presentation and it's gonna be a bunch of pictures and we'll figure it out as we go along. All right, so you're going to see a picture and a question and just give me the answer. Questions are gonna be relating to James Caan, Ed Ingram, and whatever else you see. All right, here we okay. go. There's nine questions, so seven out of nine and you win. It should be six out of nine. Oh since my it's god! Episode sixty-nine. <laughs> You're right. Which is a nice number. Which is also what she said. Awesome. Ted Glover with a little D on sixty-nine. Okay. Who is this famous Ed? Not That's Ed Donatel. Okay. Here's a hint. That's Ed Ingram. But look behind him. Look behind him. E Eddie from Iron Maiden. No. <laughs> That is an excellent guess, but that is not correct. I mean, it kind of looked like Eddie's I'm gonna hair. Go, I'm going to go with Eddie's Martin Maiden, too. That's a great answer. Let's go with that. She said it's not the right one, though. But I, still, I want to go with it. <laughs> that is Edward Ingram Scissorhands. <laughs> I knew that, Ted. Look at the hair. Come on, guys. All right. Who is this famous Ed? Eddie Van Halen. That's Eddie Van. Eddie Ingram Van Halen. Yes. <laughs> Very good. All right. Who is this famous Ed? Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Eddie Ingram Murphy. Yeah. Eddie Ingram Murphy. Correct. You're saying it wrong. All right. Here's some James Con. Which James Con movie is this? Oh, uh, it's like Heist or something like that. Close. Uh, I don't know. It was like it was a movie did right after The Godfather, and it was like kind of an indie deal. Oh, right, 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 right. Ah, uh, thief. Yes. Thief? Yeah, there we Good go. Job. Oh my yes. God, Ted Clever. Which James Con movie is this? Ryan's song. Yes. Correct. I figured you guys would get that since it was football related. And which one is this? Elf. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He was great in that one. He was great. James Con is an awesome. Great actor. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, if Toonses was in charge, that is the theme of the next three questions. If Toonses were in charge, this TV <laughs> show would be called what? Cobra Cat. No. The Karate Cat. No. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. I got nothing. Cobra Con. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. Look at the picture. <laughs> oh, it's got James Con in there. How did we miss that? All? all right. If it was up to Toonses, what would this movie be called? King Con. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And finally, if you get this right, it'll be, well, you already got six out of nine, right? So I guess you already won. But anyway, if it was up to Toonses, what would this athlete's name be? LeBron Con. <laughs> no. LeCon James. 
Awesome trivia, thanks. Appreciate you improvising, adapting, and overcoming and getting us a great trivia. So that'll put a bow on episode 69, which I think was a very hashtag nice episode. I don't know about you, Drew. Tremendous episode. Once again, I just have a blast doing these these shows with you. Now, you know, we we bragged about 10,000 subscribers last week. I think we're getting closer now to like 11,000. This is just obscenely nuts. Thanks to everybody that is is watching, subscribing, tuning in, commenting hitting us up on on twitter hitting us up on facebook really can't tell you how much we appreciate it please keep it up we got a lot more contests coming this season don't forget to enter the rook dog challenge we'll be back next week for now drews take us home brother thank you thank you thank you for tuning into our show our football show we appreciate all the support we're getting through this off season like i said there's 57 days till kickoff we got a lot of stuff in store ted you're the best host in the business. Not even a question about that, man. Shout out to you, James Conn, and your 69 movies. We will be back next week with episode 70. Why is it going to be 70? Because it comes after 69. <laughs> we'll be back next week, folks. Y'all be cool. Y'all be careful. We'll see you. Say goodnight, Ted. Good night, Ted. Good night, Ted.